The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. Um, and always a, a joy and a privilege to, uh, to speak to you. If it's okay, I'll just share a couple of um, uh, prophetic words, if, if that's all right. Uh, this morning when we were praying... Uh, Becky Barnes uh, shared a word about um, God just wanting us to know that if we bring our little to him, he will multiply that. And I, I thought it was a very uh, significant word for us to hear, not just in a prayer meeting, but actually in this context as well, that if you bring your little uh, to God, he will multiply that. I also just uh, feel the, felt a real sense of God just wanting to underline just the uh, the word obedience uh, to us this morning. Um, and I felt God just draw me to a passage in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, where it says that by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And just a real sense that for, for many of you right now, and maybe for some others a bit later on, well, God is actually calling you to respond in some context. God is calling you to respond in obedience. And um, the trouble is that you feel that if you do what Jesus is asking you to do, it will effectively make your life miserable you feel that if you respond in obedience to what God is asking you to do it will make your life miserable that there's no way that God will turn it all out for your good for some of you it could be the fact that God is asking you to change jobs for some of you it's the fact that God's asking you to stay in that job for some of you it's the fact that God's asking you to you know, just be a bit more vocal about your faith in the workplace for some of you is the fact that God is just saying to you, it's time to let that neighbor know that you're a Christian. For some of you, it's the fact that God's saying, you've got to sow seed. You've got to sow the seed of the gospel. But you're thinking, if I step out and do this, my life is going to be effectively miserable. God would want to remind us of Abraham. That he asked Abraham to offer up his one and only son. And Abraham did that in obedience. I don't know what God's asking you to offer up. But I just thought I'd share. If that applies to you, I really, I'd love at the end of the meeting, if I can catch you, that would be great. If not, please do come and speak to one of the pastors here if you really sense that this applies to you, that God's calling you to respond in some degree of obedience, I really would love to just catch up and then just pray with you or please do come and speak to one of the pastors this morning. Shall we pray together? Lord, I, I thank you that we have the privilege of just engaging with your truth. Thank you that your word is living and active. And Jesus, I pray that you will be at work amongst us this morning. Thank you that you already are. I thank you for every man, every woman, and every child sitting here this morning. 
And I pray that you'd help me as I preach your word. I pray help our hearts engage with your truth. Uh, would you come and just make yourself known again to us? Jesus, you are worthy of all our praise. And we want to lift you high up in our worship, in our praise this morning. And I just want to, Father God, just in faith, just pray for the sick as well. I pray for any amongst us this morning who are sick in any part of their body, that they would know your touch, Lord Jesus. I speak healing into the bodies and into the minds of any who are here this morning. Jesus, would you reach out and heal? I pray even for long-standing issues. Thank you. You are the miracle worker. You are the way maker. Jesus, you are alive and you're here this morning and you're reaching out to each one of us. May we know your touch again. Jesus, we are never the same when you touch us. And so please come and touch. Bring comfort. Bring strength. Bring hope again to your people. And even to those who do not know you, Jesus, make yourself known again, we pray. Amen. That wasn't part of the plan anyway. Um, but if you've got your Bibles, please stand with me uh, to Matthew's Gospel. Matthew is the first uh, book in the New Testament. Hopefully it is. Yes, it is. We're going to read a few verses from there. We're still um, looking at our series on the kingdom of God. Two Sundays back, uh, Paulman opened up helping us see uh, what the kingdom of God is and um, also particular emphasis on how we can seek uh, the kingdom. Seek first uh, the kingdom of God. I found that really, really, really helpful. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then last Sunday, Paul Edward, he helped us see again the message of the kingdom, the fact that, you know, the gospel is the message of, of the kingdom. Today, I want to, as people who preach always say, share with you briefly. Uh, yes, I want to share with you briefly about growth and and the and the kingdom of God, uh, and hopefully we can yeah we can draw a, a few lessons from the from the scriptures. Jesus was one who loved he loved to tell stories. Uh, in the Bible, we see Jesus again and again and again telling stories, and I think I think the act of telling stories is great. We should we should always tell stories of what God has done. We should tell stories of what God is doing we should tell stories from the Bible I think it's I think it's it's a vital part of our lives as followers of Jesus let's let's be people who tell stories of what God is doing amongst us I will start this morning by telling you a story in fact this story was told by one of the men I really look up to a guy called Dave Divinish he leads one of them um, um, one of the spheres within New Frontiers. Now, he visited one of his churches in some part of the world where he's actually not allowed to say. And while he was there, one of the pastors said to him, I must tell you the story. One morning, we woke up and my wife suddenly said to me, God says to me, 
I must go with you. So this pastor used to cross into another nation to go and preach the gospel. And in the past, he had always gone there alone. So this morning, they wake up and his wife says to, to him, I, I feel God is saying to me that I must go with you to that nation, that you shouldn't go alone. I must go with you there the next time you go. And so he thought, all right, that's an interesting one. So he took his wife with him. And subsequently, they went together. Anyway, long and short, one time while this pastor is in a meeting, some random guy turns up and says to the pastor, I must tell you this. Now, this is a true story. I must tell you this. I was paid as a sniper to come and then actually shoot you one time. But then when I got my gun ready to shoot you, I noticed your wife next to you. And I could not bring myself to actually doing it. I didn't know whether I would get you or your wife. And I just could not do this thing I had been paid to do. And so I went back and did not do it. Previously, this man had always gone to preach alone. God speaks in the moment, obedience, the respond, miracle. Now, in some parts of the world, maybe not so much in these parts, one word from God can be the difference between life and death. This is a true story. One word from God can be the difference between life and death, just underlining that word obedience to us again, that when God speaks to us, we are to listen. Anyway, Matthew chapter 13. How much more time have I got? I haven't even started. Sorry about this. But you know, you know, you know, some mornings are like that where you just the stuff coming through and you just you just feel God would want you to say, All right, let's 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 preach from the word now. Matthew, we will, we will, we'll get there. Matthew chapter 13. I said Jesus loved to tell stories. That's, that's what started this. Matthew 13. I can't see now. <laughs> Shall I step back? Honestly, I can't. Ah. Oh, no, I'll try. I, I will try. Actually, I'm struggling. And I'm only 22. Anyway. He Why are you laughing? He put another parable before them saying the kingdom of heaven. Matthew would often use the expression kingdom of heaven instead of kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like leaven, a bit of rhyming there, heaven, leaven, that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. It's interesting that Jesus 
as he's speaking to the people, tells them a parable. And a parable is basically a story with a spiritual meaning. And Jesus often used a lot of parables in seeking to bring across some kind of key truth to the people he was addressing, be it the crowds or the disciples. And we find that Jesus here tells the disciples and the crowds two parables about the kingdom. The first parable Jesus says is about a mustard seed. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. Now when I read this, it just struck me that Jesus was wanting to underline the fact that this description of the kingdom of God is a pretty simple thing. He says, it's like a mustard seed that a man took. Can everybody here pick a seed? Yes. A man picked a mustard seed and then sowed in his field. Jesus wanting to underline it's a pretty straightforward, simple, easy thing that everybody can do. A mustard seed that a man picked and sowed in his field. It's interesting, in the passage it says that the, the mustard seed was the smallest. I mean, we, you probably would sit and, and then think, oh, actually, Jesus wasn't being all that truthful there. Because I know that the, the smallest seed in the world is actually the, the orchid, I think, which is more like, it's quite like fine powder powdery stuff and all that. But in this context, Jesus is referring to obviously a time when the hearers would have known the mustard seed as the smallest. And Jesus says, a man picks up a seed and he, he sows the seed. What happens when the man sows the seed? Jesus says, it is the smallest of all seeds, but when it grows, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make their nests in there. Then Jesus told them another parable. He talks about leaven or yeast. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened, all of the flour was leavened. We, we find in these two parables that they both contrast the smallness of the kingdom with the greatness of its effects. So Jesus seemingly implying that the kingdom is small, but the effects are great. Jesus wanting us to know that actually small is good. I'll say that again. Jesus wanting us to know that small is good. I know in the eyes of the world, small is often not good. But Jesus would want us to know as his followers that it's okay to start small. It's okay to start small because the kingdom is actually like that. Sometimes the kingdom comes across as insignificant, but actually it's okay to start small. This week, I had an amazing story. So our youngest son is six years old, and um, they've been talking about Christianity in class. 
in the light of obviously Easter and all that. And while the teacher was sharing, he put up his hand in class and said that he was a follower of Jesus. And um, he actually told the whole class how you can become a follower of Jesus. And apparently, one girl in the class put up her hand and said, I'd like to become a follower of Jesus. I think he might get into serious trouble with the teacher because he felt like he had taken over the class. But I, I just wanted us to watch a little video because these seeds, which are seeds of the gospel, we started sowing in this little boy's heart when he was very young. And praise God for our kids' workers. Let's, let's give them a round of applause. Our, our, kids, our kids' workers who faithfully sow seed in the hearts of our children. Thank you for all you do. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Sometimes I'm standing here with our boys. I'm like, stand up, let's sing worship together. They're like, no, I don't want to do it, daddy. Just Let's watch me. And then I'm like, watch me dance. You don't have to dance, but would you sing with me? And then my eldest, especially, said, oh, I don't want to do it. But he goes into kids' work, and he comes out, and in the car on the way home, you're like, what did you learn? He's buzzing. And he, they both tell us everything. So in those moments, I do get frustrated. I'm like, worship Jesus with me. I don't want to do it, that. And I'm thinking, I'm, you know, I'm getting frustrated. But God's doing stuff in their lives. Shall we play that little video? This is our youngest. He was just a little, it's probably one year and a bit. Should we sing My Lighthouse? My Lighthouse. My lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you, oh, my lighthouse, my lighthouse, I will trust the promise, you will carry me safe to shore, yeah, are you going to sing, safe to, yay, Safe to, safe to, yeah, oh, very good. Thank you very much. Then my turn. <laughs> that was him just saying, safe to shore, but he goes, eh, and I, I just, that's, that's Zach now, Zach is six now, that's, that's Zach, yeah, and I just, I, I just found this helpful because I'm thinking, in all those contexts, we are, we are sowing seed. We are sowing seeds of the gospel in song, in the things we say to our kids, in the things we say to one another. We are, we are sowing seed all the time. And this seed will grow and it will bear fruit because God is faithful. Jesus shares about the, uh, the, the, the parable of the leaven. And we find that the key characteristic of leaven is the fact that it is able to spread. It permeates. It goes everywhere. Just as the mustard seed goes in the ground and it grows and it becomes a massive shrub, leaven goes into the flower, into the dough, and it spreads and it permeates and it goes everywhere. Both parables describe kingdom growth, I believe. 
the kingdom of God grows extensively like the mustard seed, but also intensively like leaven. What are the key principles we learn from these two parables? I did say I was going to be brief and I will be brief. What are the key principles we learn from these parables? The first is this, that the kingdom of God, when it grows, it's actually remarkable. Kingdom growth is remarkable. Why do I say this? Because it starts small and it becomes big. It starts as a little seed and it grows to become a shrub. It starts off as a, just a little bit of leaven or yeast in the dough, but then it permeates the entire dough, giving you nice bread or cake. It is remarkable when it comes to the kingdom of God growing. Both stories teach us that God's work of growing his kingdom is remarkable. It is phenomenal. It is exponential. It starts small, becomes big. It is simply amazing. And that seems to be Jesus' point as he talks about the mustard seed becoming a huge shrub. Compared with the seed that was sown when it springs up, it brings phenomenal growth. Considering the little bit of leaven that goes in the door, it actually permeates or it grows through the entire door. I think about the early church, the fact that it was 12 disciples. They were just ordinary men, simple men, uneducated, nothing exciting about them. Thousands of years ago, they were no scholars. They were ordinary men. They were not famous people. They were just a bunch of nobodies. They were, they were just, you know, ordinary men. But fast forward today, across the world, there are over 2.4 billion followers of Jesus. And growing. I think we should be excited about that. It started with a bunch of nobodies. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. Seed of the gospel is sown in their hearts. They in turn go and sow seed. Brothers and sisters, kingdom growth is about ordinary men and women like you and me sowing seed. That's what kingdom growth is about. The seed of the gospel is in you and in me. We likewise go and sow seed in the lives of other people. Kingdom growth is about ordinary men and women sowing seed. In Mark's gospel where he talks, he shares um, these same stories or similar stories about these parables. He says about the kingdom that it's about like a man wakes up, sows seed, and effectively goes to sleep. That's what Mark says. Basically, it's something that everybody can do. A man sows seed and he goes to sleep. The kingdom is growing. 
We see that in the early church. Now, if we think this is spectacular, you haven't seen anything close to that as yet because in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, it says, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. So God's doing some exciting things now, but we look into the future and it says the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and Christ. Well, what are you saying, Sam? Are you saying we are the ones who spread this gospel? We are the ones who bring about kingdom growth? Yes, because nobody else has the gospel in them. Nobody else, apart from followers of Jesus, have the gospel in them, which is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. You have the seed of the gospel in you and wherever you go the kingdom goes with you so yes we are to spread the gospel but i'm only small i'm insignificant praise god that's what god wants think about the mustard seed it is the smallest but when it is sown it grows to become a shrub think about leaven just a tiny bit yes but it goes in the door and it permeates, it grows, it goes everywhere. So this growth is extensive, but it can also be intensive. Think about the work of God in a man's heart. Think about your own life. I think about myself, 17-year-old boy, skinny lad with a big afro. Final year secondary school, I find myself walking down to the front, lifting my hands and saying, Jesus, would you be my Lord and Savior? I didn't know where that was going to go. But God had a plan. Seed of the gospel. One time I remember, because I, I used to do school's work, I'm walking along some road, some random guy stops me and said, oh, you, I, I must tell you, you used to come and then tell us about Jesus in our school. And in one of those meetings, I gave my life to the Lord. I'm like, oh, wow. Praise God. I didn't see that coming. And for many of you here as well, God's, God's changed your hearts. Jesus has coming. He has taken your hearts of stone and giving you hearts of flesh. He has changed you. He has transformed you. He has made you a new creation. Sins forgiving. He's giving you a completely clean page. A new start. Hallelujah. I think it's exciting. You heard the gospel. You believed the gospel. You asked, you said to Jesus, Jesus, come and be Lord and Savior of my heart and my life. And he came in and he's transformed your life. He's giving you new desires. He's giving you new passions. He's made you a new man. And a new one, now that in itself is a miracle. It's amazing. And at this point, I'm just going to pause and invite one of my friends to just come and tell us about the seed of the gospel that was sown in his heart, what this has meant for him. So let's welcome John. Thanks, Sam. Hi, guys. I didn't know I was going to do this, so I've written a few bits down. So 
Um, I'm in my 50s now. God, I can't see you when my glasses are on. I can't read when they're not. It's an age thing. I was at, um, I'm in my 50s now. I was in my 20s when I first uh, became a Christian. I was at university with all sorts of clever people, and they had all sorts of belief. There was people that called themselves Buddhist, Hindus, atheists, people that were into philosophy, uh, people that thought, you know, it's just about going as far as you could in business or sport. And as I was with them, I realised none of them knew God. You see, I grew up in a home with two loving, but, sorry, Mum, Dad, unim- unimpressive parents. Uh, what I mean by that is... What I mean by that is, whoa, whoa, whoa. They didn't go to university. They didn't run huge business corporations. They weren't globe-trotting superstars. Um, And they'd had uh, a good but uh, at times rough start to life. And they'd given their lives to Jesus. And as I was growing up, I'd seen such a change in them. And when I was at university, surrounded by all these planet brains, I realised you are empty and my parents are full. You are empty, like morally, morally, you're all bankrupt. Like when I looked at their lives, they were all trying these different paths to improve their lives or get to God. And I thought, you're empty. You're doing this in your own strength. And when push came to shove, you're morally bankrupt. And my parents, who haven't done half of what you've done, they're full of something and their lives are morally full. And these unimpressive people to the world spent their lives giving to other people. And so um, I knew what a life full of God looked like. So towards the end of the second year, I realised that although I had been brought up around Jesus, I knew that my life was morally bankrupt as well. And you'd have looked at me, maybe you'd have said it was, maybe you'd have said it wasn't. I could, you know, be middle class and, and, you know, as good as the next person. But I knew there was something missing inside. And so I asked, I prayed a prayer and I asked Jesus, who I believed is the living God. I asked him to come into my life and be my king, be my Lord, be my way, be my everything, basically. Um, it was the most rubbish prayer ever. I mean, I didn't pray it like that. I mean, I didn't really know how to pray. It was It was rubbish. But something happened. At that moment, something happened. Something that was dead and unresponsive to God came alive inside. This is not trying to work your way through a series of doing stuff. I prayed and something that was dead and unresponsive to God came alive. And I became a new person. And I know that because I started to change without any effort. In fact, I went out to the pub that night to meet with my friends. And someone said to me by the end of the night, what's happened? You're different. And I'm like... Well, you know, I prayed a prayer. I'd done nothing to change myself. There was a connection to the living God because of what Jesus had done inside. And here's the thing. Amazingly, Jesus has been with me and I've been in him ever since. And I tell you what, I have messed up big style. My youngest son, his uh, life motto is, if you're going to fail, do it epically. Well, I have modelled that sometimes. And other times I've been a good little Christian. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm doing well, other times I've not. But he has been with me ever since. My life has been held by Jesus ever since. And there's through his Holy Spirit, there's been a life and a life and a love and an energy in me that wasn't there before. Jesus is with me every day. So either I need lots of help because I've mentally lost the plot or it's true and what I've found is 
this seed in me ever since, it's made me a better husband. I don't think we'd still be married because I was so selfish before. It's made me a better father. I lacked patience. And it's become the joy of my life to spend my life on behalf of other people in the name of Jesus. I was so selfish before. He changed me. He literally took hold of my life. And it is now my pleasure and my privilege to live for his glory. That's what I do. I live for the glory of Jesus. And I know, I, I know lots of people here. He hasn't dominated me. He has freed me. He hasn't um, made me less. He's made me more, but my life is less about myself. I'm less fussed about myself and more fussed about others. So when you let the life of Jesus in, you become more, but not in a way the world says. You become more because from the inside out. So if you haven't given your life to Jesus yet, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Jesus has done everything for you to come into a relationship with the living God. You don't have to do anything except understand that Jesus is the only way, truth and life to the Father. He's the only way because no one else died for you. No one else paid for your sin. At the moment I prayed and gave my life to Jesus, everything I'd ever, all the moral bankruptcy in my life, the Bible says somehow was given to Jesus and was nailed to the cross with him. So God can forgive my sin because Jesus paid for it. But better than that, the perfect life of Jesus was given to me. So I became free. So ever since then, this thing's been growing in me. His kingdom's been growing in me. But I don't, it's not, it's working its way through my life. But I am motivated by love, not by I mustn't do that, I mustn't do this. Ever since then, I've been motivated by love. Love came and took up residence in my heart and it's been changing me ever since. That's what happens when you come to know the living God through Jesus Christ. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. John, you've disorganised my notes now. You'd have to finish my preach for me then, John. But thanks for sharing. So this, this Jesus we're talking about, he, he is alive and he's real. He's not some dead man. He is alive and he's at work in us. And I just thought I'll get John to share. So we, we see actually he's, he's at work in the lives of people we see with our eyes. He is at work in us. So the kingdom, kingdom growth is, is, kingdom growth is remarkable. Um, secondly, kingdom growth is silent. We... We don't always see it or hear it. In these two parables we, that Jesus tells, we, we find that it's not just remarkable, but oftentimes this growth happens quietly or silently or, or unassuming, but it's, it's there. You know, the yeast or the leaven in the dough, it's there. It's working quietly. The seed, it's in the ground. It's growing quietly and silently. It's not showy. It's not always dramatic. It doesn't always seek to impress. And the kingdom of God is, is like that. But it is powerful and real, even though it can be quiet and unassuming. Jesus says the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is or there it is. But he says, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's unassuming. It grows quietly and silently. 
You think about the work of God in people's lives. Sometimes we want to see lots of drama, but God doesn't always work that, that way. Sometimes we want to see people saved and then changed immediately, but God doesn't always work that way. Sometimes God takes time, but he's working quietly in the background. Think again about your own life. Think about God's work in your heart when you first believe the gospel. I don't think everything changed overnight, but over the years, God's been working on you, changing you, and making you more and more and more like Jesus. When I was preparing these, you know, suddenly I was reminded of things I used to do, you know, before Jesus broke in. And suddenly I'm like, oh, actually... I, I, I no longer do that one. I no longer, now these are bad things anyway. I, I no longer do that one. Not to say I don't do any terrible things now, don't get me wrong. But some of these things, I'm thinking, I, I no longer do them with the help of God. Guess what? God has been working in me, changing me and making me more and more like his son, Jesus. It's the same for discipleship. So if you're here, and you've taken somebody under your wings and you're slowly helping them grow in their walk with God, please do not give up on them. Sometimes we expect dramatic results, but God doesn't always work that way. For some people, it's going to take 10 years, others 15 years, for others 40 years. But I just want to invite you, would you be faithful and stay with whoever these people are? And not give up on them. Because the kingdom is growing in them. But quietly and silently. Finally, God's kingdom or kingdom growth brings blessing. We read about the mustard seed. It says that it becomes a shrub. And the birds of the air coming there. And they make their nests in the branches. It becomes a blessing to the birds. It becomes a blessing to those around the kingdom. So wherever you are, if you've got the kingdom in you, if you've got the seed of the gospel in you, know this. God will make you a blessing. Amen. Wherever you find yourself, in your communities, in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces, Wherever you are, if you've got the seed of the gospel in you, well, growth will come. But this growth will also bring blessing. I remember uh, just a quick one about the school gate. Going in and then speaking to some of the guys in um, other boys' school. And um, I think I wanted some information or something. And then once I finished, I said to the lady, oh, thank you very much. Which I would expect is just something basic you do. But she stopped and she looked at me and she said, Oh, Mr. Cressy, thank you so very much for just always saying thank you to us. You're, and she just went, I, I, all I said was thank you. Now, there were other parents there, by the way. But this lady, she just went on and on. Thank you that you speak to us kindly. And I'm thinking, I, I, I'm, I'm just sowing seed. Thank you. That's not a difficult thing, is it? But from what she was saying, it became apparent that not many people say thank you. It's not a difficult thing. Wherever you are, God's called you to sow seed. 
finally, how can we put all of this into practice? Three quick things. Start small, right? Start small. You can all start sowing seed today. What do I mean by that? Seeds of thanksgiving, seeds of kindness. Look out for people. Be a blessing to them. One of our friends said to us uh, recently, whenever she goes into work, she prays and says to God, God, make me a blessing to somebody today. She says she prays that every day. And she's discovered that every time God brings somebody her way. Be intentional. So start small. Secondly, follow Jesus' example. Jesus reflected the kingdom in his character. He also did the works of the kingdom. So as followers of Jesus, if we're going to see growth, we don't only start small, but we follow Jesus' example. Like the leaven, it may be hidden, but it will permeate the whole loaf. The kingdom, though obscure and hidden, sometimes it will pervade society and permeate the whole world around us. Finally, build deep. What I mean by that is do it constantly. So start small, sow seeds. The kingdom of God is about ordinary men and women sowing seed. Sow seed. Sow seed wherever you are. Acts of kindness, reach out to people, seek to be a blessing, start small. Secondly, follow Jesus' example. And then number three, build deep. Do it consistently. Don't give up because this is what God calls us to do. If you think about King's Church starting, was it in 1974? Five people meeting in a basement flat. Look here today, kingdom growth. Praise God for his faithfulness. God is growing his kingdom. God is advancing his kingdom. It is remarkable. It's often silent. It is always a blessing to the people around her. Father, I thank you for just your faithfulness amongst us. Thank you for your word which comes to teach, to instruct, to rebuke, but to also just help us catch something of your heart. Lord, I pray that we'll be a people who help advance your kingdom. Thank you for John's testimony of you coming to sow the seed of the gospel in his heart. Thank you that it starts from there and then it grows. We in turn go and sow seeds of the gospel in other lives. I pray, God, would you multiply your work here amongst us in the lives of our children, in our own lives. Make us a blessing wherever you take us. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Amen.